0: No opportunity wasted. I'm your host, Angelica Ross. And today is February 19th, and our word for the day from Buddhism Day by Day, Wisdom for a Modern Life by Daisaku Ikeda says, Chan An writes, If one befriends another person but lacks the mercy to correct him, one is in fact his enemy. The consequences of a grave offense are extremely difficult to erase. The most important thing is to continually strengthen our wish to benefit others Nietzsche Whew. that one i had actually posted that quote uh, uh on social media a couple um it was a while back and i think folks were struggling with that where they were like well how is that true you know and i'm just going to speak for my own experience and just say this um i am a very strong person a strong personality um and sometimes Uh, You know, my experience, I've had friends who have felt like they didn't know how to correct me or were too afraid or, you know, didn't have the courage to tell me when I was wrong. And I realized those people weren't really my friends because I've always offered and wanted to be in a place where I want to know if I'm doing something wrong or I want to always do better um, I'm not always perfect. I know I talk like I am and like I know everything. Yes, she talked like she know everything, but you know, I, I used to have some relationships again with some really strong um, black trans uh, activists. Who the thing that I appreciated so much about them that they were just right or wrong. You know, they were just so strong enough to tell me when they disagree with me, um, and I'm just. I just want to, you know, caution you all to like kind of check your friendships and check those things because you should be able to tell your friend like, hey, that's not the move. Especially, you know, we talk about men being able to disrupt patriarchy and misogyny and violence, folks being able to disrupt transphobia, homophobia, anti-Semitism, xenophobia, like in order to do that. It's not always coming from some boogeyman or some person that we recognize as an enemy. Sometimes it's our friends. Sometimes it's our family members that we gotta say, hold up. Like, that's not right. And so, if you wanna be a true friend to folks, I think that you should take it as, again, I always say accountability is the admission price for community and for friendships and relationships too. And if you don't feel like you have the kind of relationship where you can call your friend in and say, Hey, let me talk to you about something. I want you to do better and I want better for you. And right now, X, Y, and Z. And if you can't do that, then, um, you know, maybe, maybe baby, y'all maybe acquaintances and maybe not friends, but I challenge yourselves to be real friends to folks and to call folks in and to, again, come to people. Correct. Come to folks. Correct. But be open to accountability, to offering, and to receiving accountability. Now, also, in case some of you have forgotten, it is still Black History Month. And I feel like the levels of caucasity have risen to all new levels. I follow Representative Justin Jones, and he took to Instagram as he was leaving in an event that was honoring honoring Black sororities and walked into a full-blown Nazi march in downtown Nashville, Tennessee. And just want to be clear that in Germany, this is a crime. I was watching that movie Origin with um, Ava DuVernay. And if you have not seen that movie, you need to go see it. But, you know, it just reveals a lot of conversations and things and connects a lot of dots that we don't understand. But again, in Germany, they realize that you can't entertain and allow the festering of Nazis. You can't give them space. And it's a lesson that we seem to not learn here in America. We got to learn all these new names for white supremacy from you know white supremacists, neo-Nazi, Nazi, Nazi, white nationalists. And I'm sure there are more terms that I have yet to even know. And now with the release of two new singles topping the charts, as the Vixen said on Instagram, Beyonce and country music is going to stir up some racism and we have got to be prepared to call that ish out because folks have gotten entirely too comfortable for me with racism, entirely too comfortable. And I know some of y'all are okay with that diet racism or racism light, but to me it's all bad and it all needs to stop, especially during Black History Month. But there is still so much to still celebrate this month. We got Miss. Uh, Fannie Willis giving Trump's attorneys, the business and reminding them that she is not the one on trial and that a man is not a plan and that a man is a companion and that the only person who could ever foot her bills was her daddy, that she ever needed to foot her bills. It definitely seems like black women have been ready. You hear me? Attorney general of New York, Letitia James just looks so beautiful As she briefed the press following a judge's ruling that former president Donald Trump must pay more than $350 million in his civil fraud case. She also outlined that with that ruling included barring Mr. Trump and his sons from conducting business in New York for at least three years. This brings us to a running total of more than $500 million in legal judgments when you start to factor in interest. That's what Fortune.com is reporting. And what I love most about this story is watching Letitia go from being sort of not really taken seriously in the sense that folks thought that she was chasing a fool's errand or something when she first started bringing the charges against Donald Trump and his businesses I don't think a lot of folks thought that she'd be able to take down Donald Trump. But here we are, right in the middle of Black History Month, and yet again, a black woman has put in the work to get the job done. All right, welcome back to Now. I am with my brother from another mother, uh RK Russell. Welcome to Now. You know.
1: Oh Thank you. Thank you for having me. Great to see you. Gorgeous as always.
0: I'll take that. Thank you for uh, for that. Um, so tell me, RK, what, how are you right now? Like speaking of now, like how are you right now? What's going on right now?
1: Honestly, I am blessed. <laughs> I am happy. I think being in the new year and in kind of, you know, Overcoming a lot of personal hurdles last year, um, having my book come out last year, which I see a copy right there and I appreciate, appreciate. Um, yeah. And just all of the, the anxiety that comes with with sharing your story and, and moving into whether it be a new profession or how people like to coin it, life after football, even though for me, there's no life after football. Football is always going to be in my life. Um, yes. But going from, from from you know being on the field to now stepping out uh, and telling my story and being vulnerable and showing all of the sides of RK uh, was challenging.
0: <laughs> I, I'm, listen, and that's what we're really going to focus on and talk about today is challenge. This podcast, No Opportunity Wasted, is all about helping our listeners and helping people see from many different people and many different perspectives that we all have challenges um, but those challenges really are opportunities to see how we ourselves uh, are better than we were the day before. So we're gonna. I want to. I want to really dive into the yards between us because let me tell you something. I do, I dove deep into this really quickly because when I just. I obviously for those folks who don't know, um, I we've met. A, I think a couple times, but I think yeah. where we really got to sort of. Exchange and have some time together uh, was recently when we were in Utah um, for the In Circle uh, Only Love Gala, which um, to be not only honored as an icon, you know, and to have both of us being honored, you know, for just, you know, the work that we're doing with our lives. And how the work that we do with our lives is affecting LGBTQ youth. And then, and then you were able to give me this autographed copy. I got my autographed, y'all. So you got to go out there and get your copy. It might not be autographed unless you meet him somewhere. But I got an autographed copy. And I dove into the book right away. And I have to say, uh, wow, first of all, um. <laughs> There's a lot in here that you mm-hmm. share a lot. And as we do expect with a book, if you're going to write it, if you're going to talk about it, then you might as well talk about exactly. it. Um. So let's talk about these challenges. Let's start. I mean, first of all, let's start with with writing the book. Uh, mm. What was that like in the challenge of sort of revisiting all of the things that you revisited from your childhood to the present time?
1: Of course, and you know, there's there's two versions to that to that answer. Um, the one that everyone loves, my publisher loves, and people love is that it was very therapeutic. Um, it was very cathartic, and these are all true things. Like you get to revisit challenges and traumas and experiences that your young body and your young mind and your young heart um, went through. Now with you know the mind, body and soul that I have now as a grown person as someone who is healed in healing, uh, as someone who sees the world a little bit clearer or at the very least um, can come at it from another angle so I mean all that is true you know I, I was able to relook at these things that as a young person I couldn't necessarily process and being able to process that now as an adult um, to go with the theme of our conversation it was challenging to say the least you know there are things that we all, we all, especially I think when you sit down and write a book, we all want to show that we are healed and show that we are, we have evolved and that all things have worked together um, for these positive outcomes. And, you know, that's for me, wasn't necessarily true. There are,
0: are hard. You're still kind of working through things.
1: Yeah. And there are hard things that happen where even I look at them now and I'm like, that had no purpose in my life. I'm going to give it purpose now. I'm gonna share it now to connect with people and to let people know they're not alone and they can survive things. Um, but the everything happens for a reason. I'm not necessarily an advocate for that. Um, you can give things reason. You can give things purpose. But sometimes well, awful things just happen to people.
0: <laughs> and, and and you, one of the things that I realized, obviously, that you've be, been an advocate for. Is uh often the often erased aspect of our community, which is bisexuality. Like, you know, especially in the black community, you know, we don't they a lot of folks but they just they don't believe in bisexuality. They just think if you did this once, then you're just gay and what have you. But baby, as I was reading this, it was clear to me that uh it was clear bisexuality in this, because you definitely explain. <laughs> Your attraction, you know, both to 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 women, you know, uh, hmm. to your to your, I uh, was it your high school or college girlfriend, Whitney, or yeah, I, I know uh, her name might not be Whitney. I know we might have changed some names in the book, <laughs> you know, but the name in the book we go on with is Whitney, right? It's, it was Whitney. Sure. Do you think that the relationship with her had to? come at a sacrifice of that or do you do you think did you think at the time there was going to be this aspect of you being able to kind of just understand okay I'm bisexual and but this is the person maybe I want to be with
1: Oh my gosh that didn't even cross my mind I mean if if I would have had that idea who knows how things would have played out I mean I probably still would be where I am now cuz I was just a young knucklehead with a lot of other issues um but no no it it's true I something that you just said that resonates with me so much is like we leave one label because it feels constricting and it feels suffocating and it feels so, so confined. Um, But then it was like also the idea of like possibly being gay to me had similar connotations. I was like, Oh, I can, I can never be with a woman or, or every experience I've ever had with a woman then is seen as like it was, it was fake or it was, it was to hide. Um, You know, there's also the layer of, of, as a, you know, as a young person being like, well, is that internalized homophobia? Am I just, am I just like psyching myself out because I grew up, you know, in this world that that we've all grown up where being gay is seen as like a negative thing. So so there was a lot internally I was already struggling with. I was already trying to figure out add into that being in a relationship with someone and being so close with someone and not being able to share that with them, um, you know, ultimately would create rifts and divides. And, you know, the conversation of bisexuality, whether it be in our community, whether it be in relationship, is the fear to be misunderstood, the fear to be um, not heard. Mm-hmm. And I didn't want that in my relationship. Um, so I chose then not to divulge information, which ultimately, like I said, with a lot of other things meant that for me to have that growth and to understand who I was, the relationship in some form did have to end. Uh, because mm-hmm. I didn't feel comfortable going through that and also being in, in that relationship.
0: Now, one thing that I know that you missed out on, um, because <laughs> I was I was reading this book. I wanted to pop you upside your head a couple of times. And I was like, see, this is what you get when you don't talk to your mama. Literally, this that. is what this is what you get when you don't tell your mama what's going on. Because your mama would have told you that ain't your friend period that person is just there for the ride and for the money so like when i when i was reading you you doing all this for this person taking them to trips and hotels and rooms and they got the nerve to have an attitude mm-hmm. and not be talking and whatever i was like Child, i'm reading a book myself and i'm just like okay stop period. like but obviously you were you were young what I, I'm, I'm curious about is, as a black man, um, who then has just discovered this new world, as you also talk about in here, as you <laughs> open up, finally discovered the gay porn sites, and and just like you know, what you were, what what was starting to attract you, were you able to, or excuse me, did you run into? Like so many of us black folks, kind of run into when we first kind of enter into the wild sea of the LGBT community, you are an attractive, uh, thick, you know, (laughs) black man. You know, Um, did you run into sort of the fetishization immediately of, of sort of being a black man in a in a sometimes white dominated gay space?
1: Yes, yes, that's. I mean, honestly, I could probably log into Instagram now and, and and get that in the DMs if I if you know if if I was looking. But add on top of that, like being a football player and having, you know, some people have this fantasy of the of the, of the big masculine football player coming and da 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 da. So yeah, I mean, I think a lot of especially the relationship that I talk about in the book um, with like my first male relationship. Uh, I think it was fully that. I think it was being um, young, Black, uh, you know, viewed as as as, as this masculine person and, and having some type of wealth or financial backing behind me. And the idea of me uh, was was very attractive. Now, I don't even think that person got to know me. Mm-hmm. So I, I can't say whether, you know, they liked me or not. I mean, to take it back to what you were saying, I should have talked to my mother. Like having having... It's it's in anything. It's in relationship. It's it's in work. What kept you?
0: What kept you from talking to your mother?
1: Oh my gosh! I think part of it was me still trying to figure it out. Like I didn't want to. The process felt solely my own. I didn't want to kind of like open this up and like spill the beans to my mom, and it kind of be the conversation of like, I think I'm bi. I might be gay. I might just be going through a phase. I don't know. But here, let me like alarm you with all this information first and foremost, I kind of wanted to come to a conclusion myself. and then also, I mean deep down, I think a part of me knew in terms of this particular relationship she wouldn't approve, not because of the fact that he was now, a man did it and did I it take did it
0: take her some time because <laughs> I met your mama and yeah. she's just the sweetest and you know i I feel like uh I can tell that she has seen pose. Uh, Because, you know, yeah, uh, that was one sense. of the, yeah, that was one of the things that she, you know, when she gave me a hug, yeah. was she was, was seeing the show one of the things that softened her? Was she softened before that? Like, when did, um because the mama I met, you know, was mm-hmm. just so embracing, but as we know you know, especially as black kids, you know what I'm saying? Like we've yeah. always had to deal with one version sometimes of our parents and what our, our, uh, our friends see sort of on the outside. So when did that mm. shift happen where you knew that she would embrace you?
1: The thing is, I think I always knew deep down my mom would embrace me. We're so close. She's my best friend. I mean, we talk from, to this day, we talk an hour every day, every weekday minimum hour will go over and it was always like that i think you know i had the concerns of of when to tell her and how to tell her and and i kind of put my situation in myself in a situation where like i had to tell her like i like filmed this whole segment for espn to come out and it was coming out the next day and then i was like well she gotta hear it from me she can't hear it from the tv first um so i i before i say what i'm about to say i will say that I know that I kind of blindsided her and put her in a situation and and, and it was not an ideal situation. Um, I speak about it in the book. My mother had a reaction that neither of us looking back at it now, um, feel super great about. Uh, I know that she was coming from a place of protecting her son. um, Also protecting my career as an NFL player, something that she knows near and dear to my heart. Um, But all in all, the reaction wasn't the greatest. I think what came from that and something that's beautiful and the reason why my mother does come to pretty much everything um, celebrating me and who I am is because we were able to show a journey. We were able to show a parent that's not amazing. say all the right things mm-hmm. and not be the perfect shining example of, of how to deal with your kid when they come when they come out. Um, we got to show something I think that a lot more people need which is a journey of growth, mm-hmm. a journey of acceptance, um, a journey of knowing this facet of your kid and loving them even more because of that um, and being grateful that they were able to share. Because we could have been really great and really close and me not share this for a long time. But the relationship that we have now is so much more beautiful, so much more genuine. One of the most amazing things that I see now is my mom and my partner together. Like It, it was something that I never even thought of in their relationship. Um, Is so beautiful and so special and so genuine. So you know, the, the initial reaction was not great, but I will say, my mom, she she grew, she came around quite quickly. I also have to give her that credit. Um, and she's my best friend. We're good. She, I mean, you know, I I I know where it came from.
0: No, that's, that's you know, and it's great to hear because I I am fortunate enough to also have gone through the hard conversations, the hard times with my mom and my parents to get through to the other side where now they're my best friends. Like I tell them everything. I tell them everything that goes on, even if, even if I don't think that they could solve my problems. Now I do, t- I yeah. tell them almost everything I would say in the sense of, I don't tell them everything cause I don't want to worry them sometimes yeah. when I am struggling with things that they cannot help me with, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, cause I, I, I know for a parent feeling helpless sometimes, you know, that's, that's a little hard. Yeah. It's so hard as a black person we are living under so many stereotypes, under so many preconceived notions about who we are as Black people, and you just happen to have a life experience that bumped up against some of those stereotypes in a weird way, you know, in and in and I would say in a in a way that was not intended necessarily, mm-hmm. in the sense that, you know from what I was reading, you have this amazing father, you know, who's there. And then the next moment is not, um, due to a motorcycle accident. And, and as I'm reading that and reading how your mother is trying to break the news to you about this and you not really even able to fully process what is actually happening. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, but then to also, you know, realize that your, so that's, that was your, uh, I guess your, your, your stepfather, I would say that that Mm -hmm. was in the motorcycle accident. Correct. Yeah. And, and yet, so you, so you had a father there, but you also had a biological father who was right around the corner. yeah, But that was not involved Mm -hmm. in your life. And so, you know, sometimes we don't get that lightning striking twice where you get two dads coming to step up, you know, whatever. Mm. And then you then have this moment where now they're both gone. Yeah. And now, like so many black men growing in, black boys, boys, mm. you know, because we have to honor that time in yeah. your life where you were just a boy and... As big as you might have been for your age, you're <laughs> still a boy, you know, and who now has to grow up fast, yeah. has to defend himself against bullies in the bathrooms, mm-hmm. um, and has to still so my my, my 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 question or my focus is going right now is wondering how challenging it might have been mm-hmm. for you to Both grow into your strength to be able to stand up for yourself and be who you are, Mm -hmm. but also try not to come off as too aggressive as a black man to uh, anything for white people. Because it sounded like to me, reading through a lot of your story, you navigated through a lot of white spaces. Yes mainly white spaces how did that affect you and your personhood to develop into someone who both owns their strength Mm -hmm. but also does not want to come across as some something to be feared I guess yeah
1: no I mean just how you described it I mean the the inherent code switching, I think, that we learn as, as Black people, as Black children, as Black boys, um, is one of survival. And it's also something that, that I think we we carry on and, and we take on so young that we don't realize it's a mechanism. Um, and when you don't know that there's a mechanism being used, you then don't really see the negative sides of that mechanism. So for me, um, to be able to use what served me uh, was something that was both probably my saving grace in a lot of situations and both my detriment later on in life, um, in other situations to view myself, not as just a human and just a boy, uh, but to view myself as, uh, the things that served me in these moments really messing with my head down the line. It's, it's, you know, walking on the football field and making sure that you're the biggest, strongest, most domineering, aggressive, you know, you, you want to be the, the top dog. You want to be the alpha, and then leaving practice and taking that jersey off, which gives you so much recognition and so much comfort and so much acceptance and admiration, especially in white spaces, uh, and to then put on a hoodie or a sweatshirt and be seen then in the complete opposite way and to be walking home and, and to make yourself smaller and to shrink and then to speak, make sure you speak super proper when people address you and say, sir, and ma'am, and you know, just to, to do all of the things became so natural. Um, and and I didn't realize that that mechanism was something I was using my whole life in certain relationships. Oh, this is the type of guy you want. This is the type of guy I can be. Um, in friendships, oh, you want this type of friend? Let me be that, and not ever really just taking a second and being me. Also, the compartmentalization of self, um, specifically, especially in men, I believe, uh, is so dangerous. Mm-hmm. It's so dangerous to to, mm-hmm. to take emotion and see it as like I said, something not serving me. So I'm like, I'm gonna throw that out. Um, to take softness and vulnerability um in this. let's talk gentleness. about that
0: for a second because yeah. I wanna talk about because a lot of times I, I what I love about trans people is mm-hmm. that whether especially trans men. What is so amazing about trans men that I think that we have, our society has yet to tap into their brilliance, but Mm -hmm. the ways in which trans men arrive at their manhood, you Mm -hmm. know, because what we have to realize is that young boys become, you know, young men, you know, and they arrive Mm -hmm. into their manhood. They're not born men you know yeah. and that's why i as a trans person was not born a man i would have to go through a process of manhood which that was not what my process looked like <laughs> so but um what i love about the process is that you have to separate yourself from perceptions and have to dive into actual actual reality meaning not what people put on and puff up and say or whatever and so as someone who has come to their identity and understood in ways in which you code switch with your masculinity talk to me about what it feels like to be a fly on the wall in a space like an NFL locker room or mm-hmm. like a space where you're one of them. You know what I'm yeah. I'm saying, because you, you, you know, you just as tough as the next one, you can do the job you there for a reason, but um, you know, you might not be having the same kind of con. I mean, I did read in the book, how, you know, some of the conversations around like women and things like that, because you're bisexual, it just is yeah. natural. And you can slip into that. But what did you learn? What did what did what are some of the things that you learned by being reserved in that space and listening?
1: Oh my gosh, I, I learned that regardless of our identity, our sexuality, our race, our religion, we all suffered the same hardships, the same challenges. Um, in terms of just like boyhood to manhood, like you say, like we all heard kind of the same stuff. You can't be this. You can't walk like this. You can't talk like this. You can't, like, we all suffer that. And a lot of us are just repeating it because we don't know that there's another way. We haven't unlearned that process. We haven't sat or thought or been in relation with or conversation with people who have already challenged that and already redefined that. Um, So a lot of it was just kind of like, uh, what is it called? Uh, Copy-paste. I'm like, oh, you saying the same thing my high school coach said to me because his high school coach said to him because yada, 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 yada. And you see a lot of men also suffering mm-hmm. uh, and being the the perpetrator of their own suffering and and, mm-hmm. and not realizing it. Like you hear men talking about not being able to connect um, with their wives or with their children or, or not knowing how to show up. Uh, and some of it is because, you know, the people like me who did not have fathers in the home or, or went through turbulent things as young, as young children. But some of it is because they're not allowing themselves uh, to mm-hmm. show up as them full selves. They're, they're, mm-hmm. they're showing up as this, the robot that is a man mm-hmm. <laughs> and not being able to, to, to connect with their loved ones on a human level. So I, I think that was a big thing is like, you don't, you know, to, to hear a conversation and to know the lessons that were taught and the punishments given because you went through them as well, and to realize that you don't have an aversion to me. You have an aversion to being human and to yourself. And you can never accept me because you haven't even accepted yourself. You're like in a whole nother, there's like levels.
0: One (laughs) other question I want to ask you is, what is your relationship with faith and with spirituality? And the reason why I ask that is because What I realize, especially with big life opportunities, Mm -hmm. you hit, maybe you hit it famous on TV or maybe somebody, you know, becomes a great writer, director, this thing or whatever. And if your spirit is not in order, um, Mm -hmm. it definitely takes you through some things. Um, And again, Obviously we did see you did go through some things and you, we wrote about that and folks, y'all gotta read it because this is woo, it's drama, baby. It's great. But what so what is your relationship with spirituality? Do you have one? Did it help you get through? Was was faith ever part of the equation?
1: Yeah, definitely. I unfortunately my first kind of introduction to religion, um, and organized religion specifically, which I I view as different from just spirituality and having faith. Absolutely. Um, that first introduction was not necessarily a positive one uh, you know i, I tell went me to about like it youth, i went to youth um what is it just like a youth program like a, a christian youth program Um, in high school i went first and foremost because the person who was leading it told me they would have pizza and uh i grew up with a single mother so any extra food i could get i was about
0: um, baby so let me tell you I, there was I, a methodist I, church around the corner from where we were growing up and they would have these spaghetti night they would have different things and different. because our family was like kind of struggling that was a meal night going to that church
1: yeah I was like yes lord feed me yes, so God. i i showed you know i showed up in the first initial message was, was one that resonated with me uh it was about having a spiritual father Uh, even if your biological father wasn't there, even if your earth father was, you know, whatever your situation was, that we all had a father um, in God. So I'm like, cool, pizza, a dad, I could use a third, Uh, I'm here. So that was the first thing. And and then, like I said, once you get more into the structure of it, being told, okay, yes, you're loved, but you need to not be this. You need to not do this. You need, you know, that same rhetoric of, of what not to do and what not to be kind of pushed me away from it. Uh, in college, I then met my best friend, Joseph Gilliam. We were roommates. He played on the team at Purdue University with me, um, starting middle linebacker. So we played defense together as well. And he was a very godly person. He was a young, attractive black man, straight, very Christian, grew up in the church. His, grad, his granddad ran the church, like all of these things. Um, long story short, he was the first person I ended up coming out to in any way or form. Um, and all of these things that I thought and I had been told initially would reject me like the black community and, you know, re- the religious people and all that, he embodied all that. And he accepted me without question, like full heartedly allowed me to have my space, kept my secret for me and and still treated me the same, if not better than wow. before. Um, so I was like, I'm back. <laughs> I, was like, I was like, okay, this, uh, there are good people and there's good faith. And, and God had already done so much in my life. Giving me a full scholarship to Purdue, um, introducing me to great people, allowing, giving me even the mother that I had. There's a lot of people who don't have a close relationship with their mother. Um, I'm fortunate Mm -hmm. to be born from a woman who was so blessed and so wise and so well at 20. She had me at 20. I'm like, my mom, she's an angel on earth. That's why she looks so good. That's why I was like, you (laughs)
0: look, is we the same age? Like, what is-
1: She was a little baby. But to have all that side, I was back in. Um my faith then got shaken uh years after in 2018 when that same best friend ended up passing away. He got cancer in 2017. Uh when I was with the Tempe Buccaneers, I was starting. He went through chemo for a year, fought for a year, and ended up passing away. And I was kind of like, you know, you gave me all the things. I had the I had the best friend, I had the career, I had all of this, and, and now he's gone. And he was the one person where both my personal life and my private life, my private life and my professional life mixed. Um, unfortunately, that shook my faith. I have a cross behind my ear, tattoo behind my ear. Um, I got it after he passed because I wanted to be in relation with a higher power. And I felt like I couldn't hear that power anymore. Um, mm-hmm. So it was kind of a call back to my relation. And, and you know to bring it to full circle to now, um, I do feel very spiritual. I do know that my relationship with God is my relationship with God and it's very personal to me and it's very intimate and I protect that um, and I nurture that as I would any relationship. Uh, I'm not affiliated right now with any organized religions just because they don't really resonate with me on all the levels uh, mm. and the connotations that come with a lot of that I'm not really a fan of or don't want to embody or perpetuate myself. And, and I think, I think we've, we've used religion a lot of times to not take accountability, to not take accountability for how we treat people, to not take accountability for the evil in our lives, or the things that we've done, or cycles that we've perpetuated, and that's not fair. I, it's hard to get to a real conversation when we're using something as as powerful and as well known as religion to explain away a lot of things. <laughs> I, I, I don't adhere to that as at all. And and my God. My relationship with my God and my higher power tells me how to love you, tells me how to be kind to you, how to forgive you, how to create space for you, how to understand you. It does not tell me how to judge you, um, how to harm you. He does not tell me how to how to control or change you. Those are not that is not what we talk about in my time. Cause also when I'm talking to God, it's it's my time. Like
0: I right. you get your time. <laughs> Can you imagine? That's the other thing I'd be saying, is stay candy. That's the other thing I'd be saying. Can you imagine? I cannot imagine. I cannot imagine getting God on the line (laughs) and talking about somebody else. Mm -mm. Do you, Mm -mm. I cannot Mm -mm. believe some of these religious and Christian people who will waste so much of their lives and time at a gay pride fest talking about God hates gay people and repent or whatever, or doing all. And then listen, I understand that your religion calls for you. Listen, because people just take it wrong and they think that it's, mm. you know, it's out there to save souls. <laughs> Excuse me. Mm. <clears throat> to save souls because Jesus saves. And I get mm. it. Listen, I do get it. But here's <laughs> the situation, baby. Uh, let me uh, be the lady on the plane. Uh, please put the mask on your face first. First. Mm-hmm. How about you save your own ass? First, because it I don't, it don't look like. Let me tell you something. If Jesus is that powerful, if God is that powerful, why does your life look such a fool? Why is there so much hatred in your heart?
1: That part. That part.
0: If God is who God, if because the God I know about, and that is just that's just to be the wildest thing to me is that people talk about a source or a God or a thing that mm-hmm. they truly. Know nothing about, and aren't even qualified to be a representative of. And not only are yep. they not qualified, they're actually out here being bad representatives of their faith yep. and of their faith communities. So it, you know, I, I really appreciate, and I, I, you know, I, I, I want to affirm for you, you know, that you, I, I love hearing that you're able to hold on to a spiritual space because for so many of us, Black, queer, and trans LGBTQ plus folks. Spirituality has been so abusive, has been mm-hmm. so uh tra- traumatic that it has taken from us a relation, a spiritual relationship. And what I think that unfortunately most people don't realize is That's like cutting out one of your organs, like one of your major organs and not having a major organ functioning in your body. Um, And it's not about God. It's not about a specific domination. It's about your relationship with your soul, Mm -hmm. with your spirit. spirit. And that's why so many people are out here putting their souls on the market for sale. Mm -hmm. You have to talk about because I was reading the book in here and there's a moment that you talk about. I wish I could turn to the very specific space because I I meant to, I meant to highlight because you had talked about being in the NFL during the black lives matter movement and feeling constricted both as someone who is new in their career, brand spanking new into the NFL. Now what I want to shake the table when they're, they are very adamantly saying, we do not want you kneeling. We do not want you speaking up and participating in this. Um, you know, and you kind of talked about the difference in being, um, sort of smart in this way of like protecting your career and and having that or being silenced, you Mm -hmm. know? And so talk to me about the challenge and I guess, the opportunity of growth from that space like cuz I know we started somewhere and we're now we're I don't know where we are currently with that but how was that challenge for you being right in the midst of the NFL's transition on social justice issues mm-hmm.
1: I think the first feeling I had was oh is this the dream like you know I my whole life I worked to get to this point I work to be able to to provide for my mom, um, to retire my mom, to 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 have a better life for myself, to help my community, to help the black community, to be hopefully a beacon of hope, and, and to have all this access. And and I get there, and you realize that a lot, you know, the same systems are still in place, um, the same systems uh, built by us but not for us mm-hmm. are 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 still maneuvering in ways that might not be perceived as evil, but that show that they see black lives and black bodies and black spirits as as secondary, whether it be to money, whether it to be to their own lives, whether it to be, you know, to whatever that that this is 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 second. And for a lot of people, third, fourth, five, you know, not even on the list. So I think first the first thing it was it was very eye-opening for me. I was like, you know, just because I have achieved my dream doesn't mean that this dream is perfect. It <laughs> doesn't mean mm-hmm. that this is everyone's dream. Mm-hmm. Um and I saw players choose uh, to stand and to, and, and to protest and to kneel and to do that o- over um, the facet of, of of this NFL dream. Did
0: you see where they mean, uh, did they face consequences for that?
1: Oh my gosh. We had, yes. The, the short story is, is, is yes. I saw people um, get fined, you know, to be punished financially. I saw people's playtime affected. You know, I saw people um, get out of the league and, and for whatever reason, Outside of athletic capability, not be signed back. I mean, we could talk about Colin Kaepernick, who's like the, the you know the biggest example of of someone very capable and very talented. It um, took a huge stand and did not receive any backing from the NFL. Even as we transition now, you know, we're we're not seeing him sit down with the NFL with the commissioner. We're not seeing him on NFL commercials and and and, and being brought out to the Super Bowl um, and being appreciated at the very least for what he did for Black and Brown lives and and, and standing up against all types of social injustice and police brutality. Um, so I saw, I saw all those things. Those, those were very adamant to me. Um, and I think for myself, it was a growing moment of, you know, regardless of where you go, whether you're that little boy in that, in that home with that single mother struggling or whether you're a rising NFL star, um, the world needs to change mm-hmm. and you can bettering your life does not change the world yes it betters your life you can change a lot of people's worlds you can affect people but that success is not the change mm-hmm. activism mm-hmm. And, and, and speaking out and protesting and using your resources to create um systems to dis- deconstruct systems um that's that's the change success is not the change i think for a lot of young black people we think we're gonna make it and then life's gonna be good <laughs> Like we, 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 I'm a, I'm a be set. And it's like, yeah, financially you might be set up, but when people walk down the street, and they just see you, they don't know that you success. They like, Oh, he got the success card. So let's not, uh, let's not adhere him to racism. Let's not adhere this young woman to sexism. Let's not adhere. to No, it's life don't work like that. right You know, a lot of times also in our community, we, we do want to look flashy because I think we are trying to send a message um, not just to our community, but to our perpetrators, our violators that, Hey, I'm, I'm not a taker from you. I'm not a threat to you. I'm not aggressive. Mm-hmm. I'm good. I got my own. You see I got all this. So I'm good. So don't don't view me in this certain way that you view all the other people. But that's not the answer. The answer is is changing how they view black people, changing how they treat us, changing the systems that that hold us down and oppress us, not trying to appease, um, you know, through through success.
0: Well, do you think so so now, because what I always <laughs> feel like is okay so when we live and we learn we do better and we move differently and all those different things and I feel like you know as you talked about Colin Kaepernick and him speaking up and using his platform um what did that did that how did that influence you feeling like you could speak up even though this is a completely different conversation you know and going feeling like that you not only could speak up that bit, but that also you would be okay after the aftermath. Did you, did, did you always feel so strong that you would be okay? Or was there still a little bit of nervousness on how things would kind of fall, fall out?
1: Oh, there was a lot of nervousness. I think even in seeing Colin Kaepernick, Colin Kaepernick as an example, you know, there is a part of me that's like, well, he is still exceptional. I'm like, this is like, you know, Super Bowl quarterback, you know, he, he, he played in the biggest game at the biggest level. Um, He had a lot still of opportunity outside of football. So there was a bit of like, maybe I could do some of that, but like, also, I'm not Colin Kaepernick. (laughs) Like he's, you know, he, he is him. Um, But you are RK
0: Russell, but okay. Mm -hmm.
1: Period. and, And it's, and it's about owning that. It's about owning that strength and stepping into that. I think more people like Colin Kaepernick, like myself, um, the more examples we have of that, the more different types of people will feel empowered in their own talent and their own ability and their own worth. Uh, I will say that it has also changed the way that I look at a movement. And I think that that was one of the most valuable things that we need all of us. We, we, we need the, the, the people who are maybe more silent but doing the work, doing the groundwork, mm-hmm. doing mm-hmm. the community mm-hmm. work. Doing, do, you know on the, everything from the big ballot to the small ballot, we need the vocal leaders, we need people sacrificing um, you know we need those people using their platform and using all they've done, being the Colin Kaepernicks, being the RK Russells, being the Angelica Rosses of the world and and we also mm-hmm. need people in the middle. We need people who maybe don't know but are learning. Um yes, we need people yes. who, who don't know but aren't afraid to come and sit at the table and to listen. Uh, and to be educated, to educate themselves. And also, you know, this is a hot take, but like sometimes stuff does have to get rowdy. I I'm I'm not, you know, that, listen, violence Listen, you, any know, way, you talking to the right one.
0: <laughs> you talking to the right one. Because I know when it needs to get rowdy, you know who to call. You yeah. definitely know who to call. So so listen, let me ask you this. So coming back to now and no mm. opportunity wasted, so what's going on now so now what is the transition now what is the opportunity now for you what is what are what are you what are you looking forward to what are you working on right now
1: I think well to start with in the realm of football because I talk about my relationship with the NFL uh to go from being a player of and an employee of to now like a collaborator with um, to, it, to it being something where we can be a communication and we can educate each other. We can challenge each other. Uh, the Super Bowl is coming up for those, you know, in February, for anyone who doesn't know. Uh, and NFL is doing a Pride Night in, collabor- in, collabor- in collaboration wow. with GLAD. Um, they've done it the past several years. I've been fortunate to be involved. Uh, Listen, if you out. got
0: that extra invitation, I'll show up in a cute yeah. jersey outfit. Oh, for real. Yeah. Oh, I would love that. I would love that. Please, I would like okay. to talk to somebody. Let's talk to somebody. Yeah, I'm
1: gonna we're gonna talk. Because I Because um,
0: listen, it won't be just Taylor Swift walking out with something. I might walk out with something too.
1: Period. Oh, yeah. definitely. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, so that that's beautiful, and 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 you know, to be able to share my art, to be able to write books, and and to have this experience. Um, it's something that I love. It's and didn't your I book cherish.
0: get option? Didn't your book get picked up as an option from with Gabrielle Union?
1: Gabrielle yeah, Union and Sony. That is Pictures, public uh,
0: information, right? I'm not just telling T that you didn't tell so, me. No, so you're good. You're good. Okay, okay, okay. But now knowing that yeah. she's putting her uh, effort behind you as well, I know this is going to be an amazing story. So you are now uh, going into Hollywood.
1: I, it's, it's, Be you know, careful. Team, we, joke, we joke about it. Yeah. We we joke about it, but we've given it the term from the huddle to Hollywood. Yes. Uh, and it's, it's been really amazing. It's been really exciting to have someone in a position of collaboration, like a Gabrielle union. Uh, is a godsend. She she understands the industry. She understands um, what I represent, what we're both fighting for. Um, and she's also able to have the, she's like the exec whisperer. She's also able to yeah. put it into ways that they can hear and they can understand uh, and we can move forward. So it, it's been interesting. It's also been challenging. <laughs> like anything else, you know, you get pushed right. back on, on random things for random reasons. And you're like, just trust me. But, you know, our trust is earned. Um, and trust is built. And and I'm in that process as well. So it's cool. I love telling stories. I'm going to write, I'm writing another book. I'm producing this show. I want to produce and write more shows.
0: Let me tell you, Um, you are breaking the mold as a a jock athlete writing books and and reading (laughs) it on audio books. Listen, I'm not trying to be shady, but what I'm trying to say is, you know, that ain't really what we think about when we think about football jocks. So you are breaking the mold because when I tell you, baby, you reading that book too.
1: Oh, thank you. I appreciate yeah,
0: that. That was, you know that, that that's not a uh that's not a decision made lightly for nothing. Mm-hmm. Not everybody be reading their books because that ain't the right choice to do. But like, yeah, and and not everybody should. <laughs> and not everybody should. But hearing you read read the book really, uh, I felt like brought me even closer to the story, especially hearing these really uh vulnerable moments. You know, whether it was with your mom or whether it was with you trying to grapple with yourself and 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 bullies or whether it was the fact that you um wait not selling drugs was you selling drugs like wait not selling i was i was stealing you stealing <laughs> that's what it was you were stealing robbing child oh like that's why i tell y'all it is a story and i can't wait to see it on stars or hbo or one of them or whatever because 50 cent you out there 50 Cent, <laughs> go ahead and get behind that too. Put a little grit on it. Put a little grit I'll, on it.
1: I'll let your boy.
0: <laughs> I, I, I can totally see it. I see all of this for you. Thank you for just sharing your life and your story and making the most out of what could have been, you know, a very traumatic story because there are just so many people who have lost parents. There are so many people who have had to fight all kind of bullies there are so many people who are struggling with their identity uh, there I mean there's people who have struggled with being in relationships and being have been taken advantage of there's so many experiences that could take away your smile and your joy but I can feel it hear it always underneath there whenever I'm in your presence um, so just thank you for making the most out of the opportunity of your life and sharing that with the world. It is so needed. And I can't wait to see what you do next.
1: Oh, thank you so much. And I got to I got to give you your flowers real quick, because there was you. You asked me something that's brought up and, and I, I didn't exactly address it. My mother is a huge fan of Pose. Um, <laughs> she does. She does love you and there and, and she loves the whole cast and the whole story. But at that time, she didn't know about me. Um, and it wasn't a conversation that I was willing to have at that moment. But us watching the show together and me watching my mom um, stand up for everyone and get upset and get angry and want to fight the fight and also have a good time and, and, and enjoy our world um, before she even knew it was our world uh, wow. was something that did did encourage me to like, okay, we're we gonna be okay. Maybe, I'm, you know, maybe I'm not speaking up now because I'm still figuring me out. But but we're gonna be okay. And to watch Um, my mother just love a show, (laughs) uh, and to just love people that whether we knew people in our lives, um, that were openly trans or openly gay or openly bisexual or not, to be able to see her connect so, so genuinely with all the characters and all the stories was beautiful. And it, it really did give me comfort and peace at night that, that me and her would be okay moving forward. So I want to thank you for your honest portrayals. I want to thank you for being so careful in the stories that you choose and so genuine in the stories that you choose and using your platform outside of, you know, the, the big screen and the small screen to, to be, um, an advocate for all of us because, because a lot of people advocate, but a lot of people aren't advocating for all of us.
0: For Um, all of us. That's because I understand that that if, uh, all of us are ain't free, then none of us are Mm -hmm. truly free. And as we could see that in the fact of, from what you've talked about, whether it's from the NFL Mm -hmm. or whether it's from Hollywood and, you want to speak up and you you want to you know um speak up against injustices and stand up not only for yourself but stand up for all people but we realize that there's a cost to it and what Mm -hmm. i love about you and a lot of the people that i talk to is you say i'll pay that cost yeah
1: because
0: also also what people don't know
1: paying the cost there's a cost there's a cost for the silence too, and I don't think people understand that either that you you're not just paying for speaking up if you don't pick up you you' paying something as well, and I think people need to realize that 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 you you whether you're paying for for you giving up your own peace you giving up a part of your own soul you giving up the opportunity to learn grow or to help someone else um in your family in your circle in this world feel loved and seen there's a cost for both um I think for me <laughs> I'd rather pay the cost to speak up and create change than to pay the other cost. Because the other cost, I don't, I don't know what the stipulations going to be on this world. I don't know what the stipulations going to be after this world. Um, But I much <laughs> rather pay the cost to speak up and to be there for all people.
0: And thank you for paying that cost. We will be right back. Woo! Hey, Russell. Oh. Thank you so much, R.K., for joining us. And I look forward to seeing your book turn into a movie or a series or something, because I feel like the world can continue to learn so much from you, R.K. All right, y'all. So before we go, I want to drop another Buddhist breadcrumb and share with you something that we call a ship to cross the sea of suffering. In the writings of Nietzsche and Daishonin, he writes, one who listens to even a sentence or phrase of the sutra, and cherishes it deep in one's heart may be likened to a ship that crosses the sea of sufferings of birth and death. The great teacher Miao Lo stated, even in a single phrase cherished deep in one's heart will without fail help one reach the opposite shore. To ponder one phrase and practice it is to exercise navigation. So one of those ships I'd like to offer you is a saying that we say from this moment on. Some of us are suffering because we can't let go of our past, ours or someone else's. As Buddhists, we abide by the laws of cause and effect rather than focusing on whether something is good or bad. Karma is not good or bad. It just is an accumulation of causes that have created the effects in your life. But instead of resigning to your life just being the way that it is, because of past wrongs or worrying about every mistake and misstep, we focus on the present moment and say, from this moment on. Now hear me when I'm telling you, there's nothing you can do to change your past. But what you can do is something right now that will create a positive ripple effect in your life and the life of others no opportunity wasted see you Friday for our all new mini episodes to help bring us back to now and finish the week out strong